0: Yesterday is only a memory, and this is a particularly new moment, the span of this day is our opportunity to practice meditation following the instructions of the Buddha, or the wise one, that which is wise. In other words, at this time in the morning to incline one's mind toward being alert, reflecting that this uh, is an opportunity to use this daytime span in a way that is skillful, both for your own happiness and peace of mind and also for the welfare of other beings. When we reflect in this way, it's not—it's the way of what we call recollection. We have very good memories. Human beings, if they, we have these retentive memories. We retain in through symbols. We remember past incidences. We can we can learn languages because we have this ability to to learn symbols. Remember symbols and use them. And they also remember what we do and say. So, like if you note in your, when you remember things from your past, it's usually something extreme. Some great happiness or great success or some great humiliation. Some terrible incident or miserable experience. Who remembers what one ate? Ten years ago at this time in the morning. Unless it was poisoned food, or ambrosia from the deva realms. So the ordinary things we don't remember, but we do remember the, the big things like big moments, the great romance, feeling of wanting to kill somebody their great passions very strong uh, conditions from our past we remember but we also forget them and then we remember them again so it's very important for us to when we, when we recognize this then uh, you have to remember that that if you do anything wrong you're going to have to remember it again where we feel guilty and remorseful one time uh, a young lady came to me, she was all very upset by something and she says, oh Ajahn Samadar I've done something terrible and I just said, well it's only a memory now, don't don't make anything out of it so she went away and came back and said, Oh, I've done tomato, I just can't, I can't live with myself. It's so terrible. I just keep reflecting on this. Finally, she came back again and I realized that she really wanted to tell me what she's done. <laughs> I said, okay, tell me what you've done. <laughs> and she had had, had an abortion he says, I'm so frightened what will happen to me when I will I be what kind of terrible fate awaits me for having done this what is the karmic result and I said right now what's going on he said, are you happy Is it a happy memory does it bring you joy when you reflect on it <laughs> does it make you feel certain that when you die you're going to be born as an angel in the heavenly realm? do you feel But what is it? And just look and observe. This is the karmic result of such actions. And you just observe the karmic result, now you see it. Because all these things are, leave their impression on our mind, they remember them. And the shi was worried, oh sometime in the future what's going to happen to me? What, what, What dreadful thing can happen? What can be more dreadful than being miserable right now full of guilt and fear? So that when we uh, remember this, when we recollect that what we do, we, we, if it, we do, we, we can remember it then we're more careful about what we do, what we say There's no point in building up a lot of unpleasant memories for us to remember. I mean, when we see how it works, then we're more careful, aren't we? We naturally live our lives more carefully, more responsibly, than just habitually or indulgently. But because we forget, we get carried away with our passions, things like morning chanting or at least morning recollection is helpful reminds us, sets the tone for the day and as you wake up in the morning heedlessly, the alarm clock rings and you damn clock another day let to go to the office to face all those people I can't stand do this, do that you get up in this kind of negative attitude and have a cigarette, drink a cup of coffee and stumble around, trip over the couch fall, uh, fall flat on your backside on the floor <clears throat> curse a few times and put on your clothes and go out to work that's the tone for the day <laughs> Oh, those awful people! I hate them. I can't stand the boss, the secretary, the manager, the assistant, the clerk <laughs> an awful disgusting elevator operator <laughs> <laughs> So when you go inside the elevator, you, you hope he doesn't tell one of those corny jokes again I couldn't stand it this morning (laughs) they carry this kind of negative feeling with you of influences somebody the the clerk says uh, good morning wonderful days oh shut up (laughs) now how we go to bed also has its effect (coughs) so that if we oh last I'm time, time to go to bed and you crash down and think, to hell with the whole world I'm just going to annihilate myself and crash off you go then you wake up heedlessly and stumble around curse and swear, hate everybody and so forth you're just creating a whole pattern of negativity to remember and condition the mind with. The mind will just become conditioned in that way, in those patterns. Now if we, we can also uh, say, well then should I just wake up and say, goody-goody, everything's wonderful, and kind of, <sighs> kind of like Pollyanna. But that's not being on a side anything, it's to wake to fall asleep mindfully to make these attempts to be very aware of what we're doing really uh, scrutinize these very kind of seemingly insignificant details of our daily life not to analyze like I've been saying but to to have this knowing to, to fall asleep knowingly rather than just habitually then to wake up and don't think you have to feel goody-goody and say, oh, another wonderful day to challenge the world, perfect my practice. If you're in a, if you really feel pretty dreadful and down, you're not trying to, to lie to yourself, but just observe this. Be, just observe in a, in a, in an alert and friendly way, calm way with metta. The, the way that the way things are now, like the feeling, maybe it's just. Feeling hazy, or negative, or positive, or whatever the condition might be. Usually, waking up is people is not something generally that one likes to do, and especially in the, the winter time and the cold. You don't in England, in America, where they have central heating. Not at, well, you kind of grind out the problem, but in England. They don't, like Chitter's house is nice and damp and cold in the morning. You're laying there in your bed, all nice and warm. Just sensually, it's an unpleasant experience to get out of that nice, warm bed. You want to go out into the cold. And you just want to curl up under the blankets and stay there, not have to go out into the cold it takes some kind of positive effort on our part to make that movement to experience say, the cold feeling if we think about it we don't, we, don't uh, we can't do it we have to just do it like taking cold showers if you think about taking cold showers you'll never do it unless it's hot if it's very hot then cold showers sounds nice but if it's cold, the idea of taking a cold shower is, uh, is something you just, if you think about, you will never do it. It's something you have to do. So, this, uh, using a daytime span, say, when you wake up in the morning, reflecting on it, alert to the condition of the way the conditions are as you're experiencing them just pay attention but don't indulge in negativity but know <coughs> the negativity is there <coughs> if you're going to indulge then indulge in more positive conditions like movement getting up standing up straight doing a few exercises uh, bowing um, chanting doing something that you have to do it rather than just Kind of sit around being very passive and negative because at that time we need to put forth more effort. The body's, from its sleep state, is in a very passive physical condition. And from having slept for those hours during the night, it tends to be uh, passive. So we need at that time to put effort, more effort into just getting up, doing things. Into our mental processes, uh, processes such as, let's say, using the chanting or, or the reflections on Buddha Thama, Sangha. I wonder where all these these people are that didn't come this morning. You see, they they'd rather passively lay there then. Then put forth the effort in getting up, because it takes effort. Then the opportunity, like in a monastic form, uh, it's a—it's not just up to oneself. One has the the kind of conditions around one to help a lot, like the bell ringing at four in the morning or the expectation that everybody's supposed to get up at four in the morning unless you're sick, so that you do that uh, meetings and chanting and all that is uh, you know very supportive <clears throat> one's left on one's own one tends to follow unless one is quite uh, has a lot of self-motivation but if one tends to indulge and believe in one's feelings at the moment and. And one might be able to get up a few times in the morning and early. Then the rest of the time, uh, just follow the desire to be comfortable. So you have to find ways of motivating ourselves. Just like Aditana or resolution. Making a resolution like for a week or two weeks or a month. Really developing resolution, like on this this retreat here, is only eight day retreat. How many, you know, to resolve to to get up at four in the morning for these eight days, unless there's serious illness, is a way of developing practice, not just following. Uh, I don't want to go to that morning chanting. I don't see the point of it. I want to be bothered with it. It's more important for me to get some rest than to do that. Believing all that kind of silliness. People believe all that. And I really need my rest. Falling apart. <laughs> anyway, some of the monks practice the uh, sitter's practice. The ascetic practice the Buddha allowed, in which you don't ever lay down. sometimes you really fall apart. You're sitting there. And the first month of this sitting's practice is you just all you're doing is falling apart for a month. Your mind just goes every which way and you're, you're just in the body and everything. It's just most unpleasant for a whole nearly a whole month. You're just <coughs> going crazy. And you see the mind just falling apart and all they kind of fears and worries and negativity annoyance and dullness and just sitting there like this and going (laughs) (laughs) to get the hang of it and that takes a real aditana resolution to be able to do something like that because your desires certainly don't want to do that certainly I need my rest. I'm going to lose my health. I'm going to go crazy. Oh no! You believe it, you know. Start believing it. Believing all the worries, all the rationalizations of your intelligent mind. Does your all that sound so terribly intelligent? You think it's wisdom? Well, after all, we do need so many hours of sleep. I, mean, I can't sleep sitting up. I need to lie down to do that. Falling apart and you listen to that. You believe it. Or you get a letter from your mother and she says, Dear, be sure and get eight hours sleep enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, mother knows best. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's only a voluntary practice not a, a one that everyone needs to do or will do but it's, a, it's an example of that it's even alright to fall apart and to have that feeling of just going to pieces It's also a kind of purification it's to see that see what the mind does when you don't have all the familiar things and and crutches and supports that kind of keep you that make you feel that you're together and people get into these kind of very uh, ritualistic patterns of behavior just to feel that they're together and when they don't get enough sleep or enough to eat or things change and go off they feel very, very like I'm going to fall apart I'll go crazy I won't know how to deal with it so we have to make sure that everything is like this order definite <clears throat> then we feel as long as these four pillars are here I'll feel safe my strength is dependent upon everything being just so when something goes a little bit off oh, frightens me I don't know how to deal with it but like I've been saying it's even the irrational is only a condition changing and not self. The so feeling of falling apart is just a condition changing. And you can watch that feeling. See. What, who is it that watches, that knows that there's the feeling of one falling apart? Well, just to say, you don't have to go there, just develop a for aditana for resolution, develop a lifestyle that is 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 within the spirit of of your of the way you're living and your profession, the people you're living with. So you're not, uh, you know, being a, like a monk's life, our lifestyle. We can afford to do do things like that because we can be crotchety or dull and and and, and watch and learn through that. But if you're on a building site crawling up high on on high-rise buildings skyscrapers and that and you're falling asleep (laughs) it's a you know you have to consider the conditions the things you have to do so you have to use your wisdom but to develop a, a pattern or a way of living that is Say that is you're using more effort rather than just uh, following habits breaking up habits And which you have to apply effort rather than just rely on the momentum of the things around you to carry you along our reflections on the Buddha Dhamma Sangha is As people sometimes feel, they come to Buddhism through, say, intellectual interest in the in the teaching, or they come to Buddhism through taking meditation retreat. Even though they know nothing about Buddha, Sammasanga, it doesn't mean anything to them. The word Buddha doesn't mean anything. Just uh, you know, you understand what what it is, but it doesn't reach you in any way other than you may like it or respect it a bit there's many Buddhists I've known when they get really emotionally upset they turn to Jesus (laughs) 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 so and Jesus is is something like when you're a child you, you have a relationship with Jesus sometimes you feel when you're really frightened and worried and upset and, Jesus, help me. And here you've been practicing vipassana and sitting here watching impermanency. And then some really frightening thing happens in your life. You're very upset and you can't just sit there and watch impermanency. You're emotionally too distraught. So, Jesus, please <laughs> help <laughs> Which is all right. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) But observe this. You know, we seek when life really gets difficult protection, and and it's something you can't just sit and watch. If you're really upset about something, and you can't get a perspective on it, sometimes you need a devotion. You need to a surrendering devotion, a plea, a request for help. That in us, that feeling of devotion is also part of our life. Of love and devotion, the, um, the emotional side. The devotional side. And that's why the, to Buddhists there's no problem, like in Thailand, when, when Thai people get upset and how life becomes very difficult, they don't turn to Jesus. Unless they're Christians, they they turn to a Buddha or to the bhikkhu Sangha or something. They, they start going or taking offerings to the temple and bowing to the buddha rupan and uh, listening to, start going to seek a, a wise teacher to have them to find out more or to give them some help and solace. So like temples in Thailand, you see people going, like at Wat Bapong, one time a man in Warin in the, in the town, large town near, near Wat Bapong he was, was a Chinese merchant and his, he had a uh, pharmacy and it burned down, everything was lost, you know, every, everything, all, all his money and possessions completely burned to the ground and uh, he was, I'd seen him periodically He'd come to Wat Bapong sometimes, but more or less, you know, just, uh, he was a very worldly man and interested in making money and just coming to the Wat or the temple probably just to make merit so he could make more money. But then after this, he was so shocked, he, he he couldn't he couldn't function anymore. So he, they brought him out to the temple, to Wat Bapong, he just kind of sit there with Ajahn Chah for several weeks. He'd just sit there under Ajahn Chah's kuti. Ajahn Chah would be, come down and this man would just be kind of like this. He'd, he'd touch him and he'd, he'd, he'd kind of try to smile or try to communicate but he was just in a state of shock. But he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, go back and he had no place to go in the town and he, and the only kind of solace was coming from his face in the you know, with Ajahn Chah. But after a few weeks, he, Ajahn Chah had took time to kind of get him to look at it, what had happened, and his reaction, and see the suffering of attachment. And so he turned something that was tragic into something that was Dharma a way of learning that helped the man very much probably it was a blessing in disguise the fire because he was a very one of these Chinese merchants who lived for making money after that he had a much profounder and deeper understanding of his life and how to live now Buddha That for me didn't mean anything either. Just, I mean, I certainly respected his teaching, and Gautama Buddha seemed to be someone of worthy of respect, indeed. But it didn't reach, and it hadn't developed as a devotion, except through the practice of meditation and through reflection. So that's why, like when suddenly I realized what a really great uh, teacher, Gautama the Buddha, was. That he could establish such a teaching in such a distant time that still is so very good and precise and clear and useful for people here. To me it's it's quite a miraculous thing. Things like this, you tend to feel that sense of gratitude arises. think of the, the teachers who've taught you who've shared their their dharma experience with you you know, and helped you to look at yourself and the world you're living in in a, a different way that is more skillful and has helped you in dealing with problems that before seemed to overwhelm you and you reflect on that like sharing merit or praying or wishing the best or being living a good life, not for your not only for your own peace of mind and and dharma practice, but as a way of repaying your teachers too, because it would make the teachers very happy to know that they had uh, their their uh, what they had taught you, you had actually practiced and were living a life that was worthy of respect when one, when I hear that, when somebody tells me that that they've, they're living more carefully now because of the teaching that they heard from me, it makes me very happy nice to hear whether they tell me or not, still doing that is, is the important thing this is a way of say, developing the devotion that sense of, you're not blind devotion, you're just kind of praying to unknown entities um, or belief in in uh, ideas but actually just reflecting watching things really examining what Buddha is, what the teacher has done uh, rather than say spending your time fault finding with the teacher all of it you can find of faults with. Uh, There's not one teacher in the world that you can't find something wrong with. If you've got a good critical faculty, highly developed, (laughs) you can you can expect teachers to be perfect just for you also. But rather than say demand teachers be flawless and perfect so that your, your, your confidence will never be shaken in them. Uh, reflect on even if teachers, uh, themselves are far from perfect and live lives that aren't all that admirable, still what they've taught, taught you to be good, refrain from doing evil, to be mindful, this teaching of the Buddha is something that we, uh, if we reflect on it, we'll feel gratitude appreciation sense of of love arises and that in itself is a is a uh, is conducive to enlightenment when this sense of gratitude of joy and of uh, devotion is necessary for enlightenment just to sit here Repressing everything, trying to get the mind so it doesn't, so it doesn't move. You'll be reborn as a log or a stone. In the Buddhist cosmology, they talk about that. The Arupa is if you die in the state of formlessness, no, is it that the, the uh, one form, one level of fourth jhana, a satasanya level. If you die in that state, you, you have to live as a stone for eons of time. You just have form, but no mentality functions at all. Well, <laughs> You see, maybe all these stones around here are uh, in fourth jhana. (laughs) That's why the American Indians went so wrong in kind of bowing down to mountains and that. It takes quite tremendous skill to go into fourth jhana. Satasanya. So reflect on the Buddha, the the one who knows. That in here that knows, the knowing, being the knowing. The knowing in you and the knowing in me is the same knowing. That's not Sumato knowing or no Roger knowing, it's just knowing. It's not it's not nobody owns the knowing. It's not female knowing or male knowing. The same knowing. Knowing that all that arises, passes away. Knowing that it's not self. The knowing is, is, is the, where we merge. In the known is where we all separate. Like what I remember. what I The thoughts in my mind now are different than the thoughts in your mind, aren't they? The quality of them. I think I remember in Seattle, Washington. You're remembering Buffalo New York <laughs> or the feeling the, the feeling the pain or the all these are infinitely various and different they changing from one moment to the next so the known is always is, is, is always changing But the knowing is the same for all of us. There's no knowing that has any personality or individuality. It's the knowing, the knowing wisdom, where we merge. When we when we fully know that, then we no longer have to regard each other as threats, objects, and uh, no longer regard such uh, discriminations as race, class, sex. All this has been of anything, worthy of giving any great place in our thoughts, or has you know, being reality. No longer uh, important to to carry that around as an identity, because in the knowing, then. How could I, if I hit you, it'd be like hitting myself, wouldn't it? Hurts too much. Why should I hit myself? I'd do that to you. Pointless, isn't it? Unless, you know, you're walking into the, off the edge of a cliff and I have to kind of punch you to stop you from doing it. That's a that's more compassion, like like bashing oneself to wake one up, to make one more alert. But that's through wisdom, through compassion, not through seeing you or me as, as a being, as an individual, as a separate entity in time and space. These are in the knowing, merging in that knowing. We can learn to live with each other in these forms and conditions of samsara, Wisely and generously, compassionately, go through the forms of, that we find ourselves in, and enjoy it, have a, uh, life can be quite, (laughs) quite, uh, say, somebody asked me, how do you feel about being an abbot of a monastery? What is your, what is your attitude about that view? What, how do you personally feel about it? That's a lot of fun really. <laughs> if you realize it's not you then I mean, you can play the game of Abbot and have a really good time doing it. <laughs> it has its pleasures. Anything do you think? I'm the Abbot. <laughs> oh, you think, "Oh, what a pain in the and abity is people come and complain, and they do this, and the monks don't practice like I want them to, and things and difficulties, and it becomes a heavy burden. Or you can become a conceited ass, and the abbot of jitter you better tell your respect to me. <laughs> but when you realize it's only a, a condition changing and it's not self, then you can uh, learn to, to do, play it, play the game quite uh, with some style and some vigor. It's all quite fun. But if you start taking these roles seriously then then life becomes really dreary well you've got to you know they they have it' just, i've got to I've got to see that Fijiquito practices hard hardjito what time did you get up in the morning? You slept in I've been trying to you be that kind of motherly nagging thing and the Jewish mother comes out, work my fingers to the bone, slave. <laughs> 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 Nobody appreciates me. I saw this one time, uh, even recently. This nagging mother thing comes up in one and chitter's house where trying to be very kind of live very simply and economically. So one morning I had to get up at about one o'clock in the morning and I went out of my room and the the electricity in the hallway was still on and this thing rose up these people practicing mindfulness they leave the electricity on all night I'm wasting my time. <laughs> I listening to this nagging mother. Oh, I started laughing. Is it to see how how easy it is to believe those things? You know, they that get to start believing that movement of the mind, and then in the morning go down, and you start. I want these electric the electricity turned off at ten o'clock at night. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Making it into into a, a burden by believing all that. That's why this inner listening, inner listen to these things, these kind of movements, because they're accumulations of all the things we've heard in the past from our mothers and fathers, school teachers, friends. Enemies and so forth they come up on it. These these uh, these are the sannya, the sannya comes out perceptions, but they're impermanent and not self. That doesn't mean we we allow the people to just follow their desires. When you're training monks and that, you you have to browbeat a bit and gold and look fierce. <laughs> it's all part of the game. And, and they believe it at first We are intimidated until they start beginning to realize the impermanent nature of all conditions and not self. But that's what we mean, like, it's, after a while it's, when life no longer is a heavy burden, when you can see it as it really is. You know the forms we find ourselves in, we can, we can use, we can live within them and even if like in monastic form, it's a very nice form to live with so that <clears throat> one experiences a lot of joy from it, a lot of happiness, but in the, uh, they sometimes our lives don't allow us to have forms, uh, all that, forms that are all that pleasant. But we still can, we still, wisdom is learning how to use the forms that we find ourselves with, skillfully. We don't need to be happy. That's not the goal of life, that's mindful and compassionate. And then the joy is something else, is no other than happiness. Joy is that, is in a spontaneous arising when there's no self. Even though we may not find ourselves in conditions that bring happiness, that doesn't prevent joy, but that only comes through selfless action, rather than selfish action it brings no joy at all.
1: Handamayang utti sanati tanaka Banjaya kunudaram. Ah, jariyu, pacara jama davidaja yadaga. Zuriyo maraja kuna vanta nada maraja intaja loka palaja te venda. Ya momita Sāpēsādhāsūkīhāntu pūnyāni pāgantāni me Na sandhosa pantaye vaya ta cha to pave sati panya sale to vidyamina mara la to dhammo na to varanthamo to bate Ne so namma nu pawe panduma.